me your host Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of Axel and Coza Limited. The citation for this case is 2019 UKSC 40. And the case that we are looking at this week is mainly about the appropriate jurisdiction for a case, but there is also a lot about company law and in particular the way that companies are structured. This can get more than a little complicated, and to be honest, an audio podcast format is not ideal, but we will do our best. The respondent is Coza Limited, and while this is a private company that is registered in England, it is a wholly owned subsidiary of another company called Coza Altin, which is a publicly listed company in Turkey. At this point, you can probably already get a sense of what the jurisdictional dispute is shaping up to be. Anyway, Koza Altin is itself part of a wider group of companies called the Koza IPEC Group, so-called because it was controlled by one of the other respondents in this case, Akin IPEC. Problems arose for the group because it owns a number of media outlets in Turkey. Not a problem in itself, but the country under Recep Tayyip Erdogan is notoriously hostile to the idea of a free and independent press. In September 2015, the Bugün newspaper reported that weapons had been supplied by the government to Islamic State fighters. With an election due in only a couple of months' time, the government did not exactly take kindly to this and reacted by immediately issuing police raids of the properties. As election day moved closer, a court order was made in Turkey that placed control of the company under a group of appointed trustees, who were certainly much more in line with the way that the government saw current events. Those trustees are the appellants in this UK case because their actions in relation to the UK-based company that we mentioned earlier, Coza Limited. Nearly a year after the original court order, the trustees acted to serve a notice on the directors of COSA Limited under Section 303 of the UK's Companies Act 2006, to the effect that there should be a general meeting. One of the resolutions to be considered at that meeting was that those directors ought to be removed and three of the trustees should instead take their place. The existing directors were unsurprisingly not keen on this idea, and therefore refused. In response, the parent company, Coza Altin, used Section 305 of the same Act to essentially force a meeting instead. However, before that meeting could take place, both Akin IPEC and Coza Limited made an urgent, without notice, application to the courts in a bid to prevent the meeting. The basis of this application was twofold. Firstly, if the resolution were to be passed, then it would be ineffective as per the company's constitution, and would therefore be a breach of section 303.5 of the Companies Act. The second argument was especially interesting as it asserted that the English courts should not recognise the authority of these trustees. After all, they were only interim appointees, but beyond that their actions were contrary to Turkish law, human rights and natural justice. The interim injunction was granted, but in the fallout there were a number of claims and counterclaims, mostly relating to this question of jurisdiction. To this end, the key piece of legislation is Article 24.2 of the European Union's Brussels 1 Recast Regulation from 2012. 
This states that where there are open questions surrounding the constitution of a company or its association with certain persons, then the courts in which the company is domiciled, in this case England, would have jurisdiction. That wording clearly applies in relation to the first ground of the original application under section 303.5 of the 2006 Act, because the argument there is that the proposed resolution would be inconsistent with the constitution of the company. This use of the Brussels regulation was accepted by both of the parties, but the High Court judge took things a step further and held that the second part of the application, which, as a reminder, was the argument that the authority of the new interim trustees should not be recognised by the English courts, was inextricably linked to the first part of the application, and thus Article 24.2 can be used right across the board. An appeal made by the trustees to the Court of Appeal was unsuccessful, and so now there were two key issues that made their way before the Supreme Court. Firstly, whether Article 24.2 can indeed be used across the board, and secondly, whether that legal provision does actually confer exclusive jurisdiction on the English courts. The justices began with that idea of exclusive jurisdiction, which can helpfully be contrasted with something else called the domiciliary principle of jurisdiction. The domiciliary principle of jurisdiction has its origins in Article 4 of the same Brussels 1 recast regulation, and sets out a general point that a person who is domiciled in a member state of the EU should be sued in that member state. Article 24 then acts as an exception to that general rule by conferring exclusive jurisdiction in specific scenarios where there is an especially strong connection between the subject matter of a case and a given jurisdiction. That is fair enough, but it only really works if it is definitively clear where this exception applies. After all, if there is a dispute as to jurisdiction, and different courts could reasonably come to different conclusions, then the case would sort of end up in limbo, which is precisely what the law is seeking to avoid. In order to achieve this, cases such as Hassett and Southeastern Health Board from 2008, and Berliner Verkes Betrieber and JP Morgan Bank Chase Bank from 2011, establish a clear line of authority that the Article 24 exception is to be applied narrowly. Based on that previous case law, the Supreme Court decided that the much broader interpretation offered by the High Court and the Court of Appeal in this case could not be sustained. If we split up the bases for the original application, then we can say that where the claim relates to the constitution of the UK company COSA Limited, the UK courts have jurisdiction. Where the claim relates to the authority of the Turkish trustees, it is the Turkish courts which have jurisdiction. But what it is not possible to say is that given the prior case law, Article 24.2 can be stretched so that it applies across the whole application. Even if exclusive jurisdiction can be said to apply to one part, then the narrow approach by the courts in these situations means that much more than a link between the grounds is needed for it to apply more generally.
In the end then, Coza Limited lost this case and on the surface this decision does offend certain democratic principles that we stand for in the West. Right from the start, it is the authoritarian Turkish government who have loomed large over this case. After all, it was their decision to crack down on the free press in Turkey and then to install these trustees at the head of the company. To deny that the appellants in this case are anything but stooges for the Erdogan regime would be hopelessly naive. That is why their success in this case stings and my reaction to the decision was originally one of disdain. However, having time to reflect has made me much more sympathetic, especially when understanding the law that is at stake here. It is important that jurisdictional disputes are sorted out in as clear and succinct a manner as possible so that they do not linger on the books or create an ongoing dispute between countries. In order for that to be the case, the rules need to be patently clear, and that is what Article 24 of the Brussels 1 recast regulation sets out to achieve. If a broad interpretation is then applied by the courts, this would only serve to defeat the underlying purpose behind the legislation. Thus, while the result is a rather dispiriting one in terms of hoping to achieve overall justice in this particular case, the maintenance of a reliable and consistent means of resolving jurisdictional disputes is extremely important and should not be ignored. A worrying point to note is that this regulation is currently due to be revoked after Brexit, and although there are savings in place, the longer-term uncertainty is something that not only lawyers, but individuals and companies should be concerned about as well. In many ways, this case demonstrates what is at stake, as it shows that in this country, the rule of law is applied equally and fairly, even if you happen to be acting on behalf of a country that fails to uphold those self-same values. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast episode, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. Special thanks this week go out to Zen Cha, who left a very kind review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts. We're now up to 148 reviews on that service, so if you do yourself use Apple Podcasts, then it would be very much appreciated if we can try and get up to 150 reviews before the end of the year. That would be completely amazing. Um, if not, then don't worry, and you can perhaps leave a review on the podcast app that you use instead. Any review at all is very much appreciated, and anything that you do to share the word about the podcast is amazing. So thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye!